0: You're listening to the tidy revival podcast where we explore the stories and emotions behind decluttering and home organization. I'm your host Carly Adams home organizer and creator of the clutter free home process. Now, this is the time where I remind you that this is not a show for little ears. If your kids are in the room, please pause. Now this show has an explicit rating. We're going deep. We're going through your shit while we're going through your shit. Now let's get started. Have you taken our survey yet? We have a survey out now and would love to hear from you. All the information that we're getting is helping us better our offerings for later this year. Two lucky participants are going to win a $100 Target gift card each, and the survey is open through the 28th of March. We can't wait to hear your opinion. Check out the show notes for the link. Welcome, welcome. I am extra excited this week to bring you a conversation with all the organizers. So, something that you may not know about me is that I really love to network. I have loved networking since before I became an organizer. When I was an executive assistant and I worked in the Bay Area, I loved networking with other organizers. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> with other executive assistants and folks who were in that, you know, office management, EA, PA realm so that we could make each other like we're better together. Right. And we say in my industry, a lot in a lot of industries, I know people say this, but the community over competition is super important to me. And I know I don't mention it a lot here because it doesn't come up very much, but I'm a mentor in the inspired organizer Program, which is the program that I use to help me build the business side foundation of my business, my first year in business. I love it so much. I could talk about that a lot. I have talked about that a lot. And if you want to learn more about that, feel free to DM me. I can send you the link for a podcast that I was on, on Inspired Organizer, talking about how much I love it and how helpful it is to me. But I owe aside, I love chatting with other organizers. I love that we can help each other grow and be better in our industry. And we can help make our industry better along the way by staying in contact with each other and just not seeing each other as this, you know, like competitive threat situation, because we are all truly better together. So, in the spirit of that, today I wanted to have an episode all about the things that we declutter all the time. The things that we declutter as organizers all the time. So I'm going to bring you a bunch of tips from a bunch of different organizers. This is just advice from folks all across the country, people that I network with local and around the country. We've just got a bunch of fun stuff in store. So to kick it off, I am going to bring you one of my favorite people. She is the GM of Inspired Organizer and her name is Melissa and she's amazing. We're going to kick it off with her. And before I do that, I want to give you a disclaimer as always that Gim is snoring per usual. So if you hear him, don't worry about it. Don't worry. He's just chilling. He's chilling. All right, Melissa, take it away.
1: Hey there, my name is Melissa Klug and I am an organizer at Home by 11 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I want to talk to you today about what I call the four bad words of organizing. And they are might, could, maybe, and someday. And the reason I call them bad words is because a lot of times when I am working with someone, they really, really want to declutter, but sometimes it can get hard. And it's really hard to make a lot of decisions where you think, oh, I might use this. I could use this if I decide that I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Someday I might need this item. And when we find ourselves using those words, might, could, maybe, and someday, it is a sign that I want you to think a little bit harder about, do I actually need Need this Or is my brain telling me an easy way out of making the decision? I sometimes will hear people use all four of those words in the same sentence. And so I always say, hey, let's take a step back and think about, are we really going to ever start that hobby that we have been keeping these things in our house for years for? When was the last time I used this? When might be a time that I would envision using this? And if you start to answer those questions, you realize might, could, maybe, and someday are never going to come. And you are going to feel so, so good if you get those items out of your house. So catch yourself the next time, anytime you say might, could, maybe, or someday when you're thinking about whether you need to keep something. And I bet you'll think harder about it.
0: Tell me that is not so, so good. I am absolutely going to be borrowing those four bad words, like uh, the best. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit with some kitchen advice from Megan and Elena, and I'm going to let them take it away. Hey, this
2: is Megan Rogers with One Less Stress Organizing out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So many things come to mind when thinking about what we are constantly decluttering in clients' homes. One thing that I even have to remind myself it's okay to toss is takeout items. Everything from menus to straws, napkins to sauces. I have a penchant as a mom to keep a stash of these things in my car and even in my kitchen flatware drawer for those just-in-case moments. This is 100% okay. The trick is to have a reminder in place to clear these spots out once a month or every other month so you don't wind up with petrified Arby sauce in your glove compartment. Ask me how I know.
0: Thanks so much. Carly here again. Wanted to chime in to give a little tip that I have for a couple of takeout item type things. Okay. i always snoring. The first is to have a set size of a container that you can have be the limit for how many sauces you're willing to keep. So whether you are loving that fire sauce from Taco Bell or the ranch from Jack in the box or whatever it is, have a container where you realize that like enough is enough because it will keep coming in. And if you're not immediately tossing it, I have definitely cleared out. So many drawers over time that are just absolutely overflowing with condiment containers. But if you have a smaller container then when it's filled, you can realize like, okay, this is the amount of sauce that I'm willing to have in my house. And then as you clear it out, you can either clear out the old ones, or if you're not sure how old everything is, but you know that it's all fairly, you know, of the same time period, you can toss out the ones that, you know, you also have in your fridge. I think that's the hardest part for me is that I know that there's a, not a good chance that I'm going to be reaching for a ketchup packet. If I have a whole bottle of ketchup in my fridge, that's fresh and ready to go. So a thought with that. And I also wanted to say that as far as those silverware packets that come in, you know, like they're plastic wrapped and maybe they have a a spork and a napkin and salt and pepper. Oftentimes you can donate those to places like food banks, shelters, that sort of thing. I know that locally in Sacramento area, river city food bank will take those items. So I have definitely cleared out a bunch when I've been with clients and taken them there. And they're very, very happy because they can put that with the food that they are giving out. So I hope that is helpful. And now we are going to have Elena take it away.
3: My name is Elena Yonkers, and I'm the founder of Dynamic Order in central Massachusetts. Backstock came to mind right away as something I find myself constantly decluttering with clients. Backstock refers to extra items in your home that are not currently in use, and it tends to accumulate in pantries, hall and linen closets, bathroom cabinets, basements, and even in shopping bags on the floor when it has no designated home. Common backstock categories include personal care items, dry goods, and household supplies. We often end up with a surplus of these items when we buy a bunch just because they are on sale and we don't know how many we already have at home. Often, once we have gathered all backstock in one place, it becomes apparent that some of the stock is expired or can't possibly be used before it does expire. So how can we deal with the overflow? Department stores have systems in place to operate smoothly, and your home is really no different. Appointing a central zone for backstock items is key, so everyone in the household knows what you have and where to find it. It can be helpful to work with your organizer to determine how much backstock is comfortable and practical for you to keep on hand. It may sound silly, but knowing that your comfort zone is 10 cans of beans and two extra bottles of shampoo will prevent both overbuying and the anxiety that accompanies feelings of scarcity. Finally, backstock you won't be able to use can be donated to friends and family, buy-nothing groups, donation centers, or food banks in your community.
0: I think that is so, so helpful, and especially the part about gathering up your backstock items so that you can find what you need when you need it. And something else to think about is that I know that the natural inclination is to always buy the biggest thing, but if the biggest thing The biggest quantity of whatever item I'm going to be talking about paper towels, if it doesn't fit in the space that you're hoping to store it, that might not be the best option. For instance, at my house, even though we do shop at Costco, I am not a fan of getting my paper towels at Costco. And I'll tell you why. It's because we have enough room to comfortably fit in my utility closet you know, maybe like four rolls of paper towels, definitely not 12. And so what ends up happening is if I get them from Costco, they end up kind of being like in front of my shelves or shoved in all these little nooks and crannies. It's harder for me to at a glance, see how many I have because they can be shoved in all these other different places as well. We don't use paper towels very often. I always have a roll out. And I use them for some cleaning and things too, but for dinner time, we use cloth napkins and that's really cut down on the amount of paper towels that we use. So we end up going through paper towels so much less quickly than I did a few years ago which means that if I'm overstuffing my closet, it's not a short-term situation. It's a long-term situation. And for that reason, I've stopped buying paper towels at Costco. I've started buying them at Target because I can get like a three-pack, a four-pack, and is a lot easier for me to manage and keep track of versus having to find a home for this giant bag of paper towels. So I hope that helps you too. Are we friends on social media yet? Whether your jam is Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, or Facebook, follow us at Tidy Revival for tips and updates. Okay. Now we're going to hear from Kim and she's going to be talking about something that comes up all the time. This
2: is Kim Snodgrass with Rusticom Organizing. I am based out of Oregon in a small town called Manning. The one thing that I find over and over is high real estate being used in kitchen drawers for manuals to things such as an oven, a refrigerator, dishwasher, microwave, vacuums, you name it, blenders. They're all just shoved in this drawer that nobody ever seems to look at. And nowadays, most everything is available online. So I always encourage my clients to consider getting rid of all of those manuals. If there's any extra parts that are with those manuals, I suggest that they get a zipper pouch or a Ziploc bag, label it, and put it in like where you would have your indoor toolbox or something so you can go to that. I also suggest to my clients that if you get a sample along with a product that you have purchased. Instead of just saving it along with the manuals, use it right away. Determine if you want to repurchase that to maybe clean your stove top or a certain filter that comes with your refrigerator. Bottom line, though, let the manuals go. Save that drawer space for something that's more important in your kitchen. And if you need to reference them,
0: look them up online. Love, 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 love this. It comes up all the time and it made me think of something that I talk about a lot. If you've taken my free class, you know, I talk about it there. If you've spoken to me for more than 10 minutes, you've might've heard this already, but I have something that I call the real estate rule. And that is deciding where to keep something based on how often you use it. So Kim's example with the home manuals and finding them specifically in kitchen drawers, I think is so important because it's these things that we're not going to use very frequently, but they're in this amazing prime real estate. And when folks tell me specifically in kitchens, I mean, this can happen anywhere, but it happens a lot in kitchens like, oh, there's not enough storage space. When we actually examine what's in the cupboards, and we take out the things that they don't use, want, need, or love. Suddenly, we're able to find tons of space. More than once, I have found an empty cabinet full of space by just removing the massive collection of paper or plastic bags. Then that's just one example of many, many things that this comes into play in. So with the real estate rule, when you're planning what to put where to put things. I want you to think about how often you use this item. So I see this a lot with appliances taking up really great real estate, but they're not things that people use very often. Or holiday items also having prime real estate that are used once a year. So if your kitchen china, just as an example, is taking up the cabinet underneath your oven, but... Your pots and pans are around the corner. That could be a switch that you use to to bring the things that you constantly find yourself being inconvenienced to go get and putting them in a more easily accessible spot and swapping them out for things that you are hardly ever using. That's why my juicer is in the worst spot in my kitchen because I do not use it very often. But it's why the waffle iron is easier to access because I do use it more often, and I think that those examples can tell you a bit about my life priorities. But I digress. Let's check out another tip
1: from Melissa. I saw a really funny tweet one day that says, one thing no one ever talks about being an adult is how much time you debate yourself on keeping a cardboard box because it's like a really good box. And I loved that because it's absolutely true, and it's something that I see clients struggle with. Whenever I work with clients there are tons of boxes and the question is always, I don't know, should I keep this? And a lot of times they keep it just in case. And what ends up happening is there is a sea of cardboard that's really taking up a ton of space in your house. So essentially you become a storage unit for empty boxes. I want to encourage you today is look at the cardboard that's in your house. Start with those Amazon boxes or anything that is delivered to you. Can you break those down and recycle them? If you're keeping it because you're like, well, I might need to mail something or I might need to ship something, I promise you're going to have another box that's going to show up at just the right time. Get it out of your house. Recycle it. The next thing to look at is boxes you've kept because something came in them. A lot of times this is kitchen boxes. they are blenders. they are big appliances. They are TV boxes. they are computer boxes. Apple boxes is a big one. I want you to think about those. One of the things I hear a lot is, well, if we move someday, I'll need this box. So unless you're moving in the next six months, I want you to really evaluate whether that box is important. If you move, I promise you there are going to be other ways to move something and there are going to be other boxes to put them in. You're storing those boxes and you really don't need them. Go through your house, pick out all the cardboard, get it recycled, and you are going to feel
0: amazing. This truly goes back to the real estate rule. and that is because your home inside your home that is like every storage space in your home is the most expensive storage you'll ever have and when it is filled with cardboard that you may or may not be using you're just not using it as effectively as you could the one instance in which case i'm like okay you know hall pass i am i totally understand these boxes or if you are the type of person who buys a new electronic product every year that it comes out and sells the old one immediately. So if you always have to have the new iPhone and then you immediately sell the last one and you have found that you get more money with the box. Okay. But if that is not you, I want you to reconsider that. Like Melissa said, you are not going to regret it. This episode is brought to you by the clutter-free home process, my online course community that teaches you the process I use with every client, including how to declutter and get things out of your home. Yes, including the tough stuff. We're also going to create simple systems and learn how to maintain it all with personalized support and accountability along the way for six months. Learn more at tidyrevival.com forward slash course. Anyways, we're going to dip into some tips that are more about the office and paper and a lot of like these spaces. So, first, we're going to hear from Julie. Hey there, everyone. It's Julie Adderhold from Healthy Home
4: Organizing. I'm based in the greater Green Bay, Wisconsin area. One of the items I find myself decluttering with many clients is pens. Pens are often found in numerous rooms throughout the house. They often are a big source of what makes up a junk drawer. It's definitely okay to have them in the places you use them, such as a home office, a command center as you come in the door, or a kitchen desk, or an area of the home where you would do your writing. However, we often find them everywhere, and when we collect them all, we find out we have hundreds. One tip I have for you is to only keep the pens you really like, and no more than 10 or so in a space where you actually use them you will find the area to be much easier to work in. And as for all those extra pens. If they don't work, certainly throw them away. Otherwise, many nonprofit organizations would be happy to have them. Choose an organization that speaks to your heart or you've personally volunteered for. I bet their office employees could use the pens and it would save them a bit on office supply costs. I've even had some clients take them into their workplace. Happy organizing? and happy writing.
0: Let me tell you guys a story about pens from my own life. So growing up, my dad was pharmaceutical rep. So we always had a couple hundred pens ready at all times. When I moved out, I found I had so many pens that I was just swimming in pens. And when I went through my decluttering journey, I did end up letting go of a lot of excess pens, but I still had enough to see me through for a very long time. So last year was actually the first time in my life that I bought pens. And I honestly thought that day would never come. I was shocked. And of course, as soon as I bought, you know, a couple of pens, then you know, luck just sent some more free pens my way because that's how life works. So I'm once again have enough pens to last me likely the next 10 years, but the good thing is if I ever find myself in need of a pen, then they're very easily attainable and I could get one in the next 10 minutes at any given time. So, yes, Totally agree about the excess pens. That is a sitch and a half. Now let's hear from Allie about mail.
5: Hi, it's Allie from Allie B Organizing coming to you from Pittsburgh, PA. One of the categories that many of my clients want help decluttering is a dreadful but inevitable incoming mail. I'm not here to say that I never get overwhelmed with mail, but if I keep it maintained from the start, it is much easier to manage. Now don't get me wrong, I don't love decluttering mail for other people, but I do love helping with systems and strategies to eliminate that huge stack that often builds on the counter or in one or more drawers. Here are a few tips for managing that mail. I recommend having a specific drop zone for the mail. If it is an adult who brings in the mail, it's even better to declutter the mail before it even reaches the drop zone. Toss those ads, junk mail, and put magazines, etc., in a place where they will be quickly read. I recommend sorting based on two systems, either by importance or by people. I'm also here to tell you two key things. Most mail does not need to be kept for long periods of time. Tax paperwork is important, but most other bills and statements can be found online if you need to refer back to them. Another thing I've learned is that many folks don't even look at statements, and if you are one of those people, there is often a paperless option that you can opt into and save you even more time dealing with mail. Ultimately, mail is a time-consuming process to get caught up on, but if you chip away at the past mail and set up a system for all incoming mail in the future, we'll be able to focus on more fun spaces in your house, and your life will feel less stressful without this overwhelming but inevitably daily task. The struggle
0: is real with mail, guys. This is something that lots and lots and lots of people deal with. So if you are struggling with mail, know that you are not alone, and if you need, you know, more guidance, you can always come back to this episode and listen to Allie's tips about mail solutions. If you are going through your mail and then you need to shred things, if you don't own a shredder, a tip that I give people a lot is you can always go to a lot of big box stores offer shredding solutions. So locally I go to like office max office depot, they will shred paper for 99 cents a pound and they do it in a very responsible way. So you know that it's going to be, you know, handled effectively and that your private data will be secure, but that can be a really great and inexpensive resource for you. Hey hon, are you looking to jumpstart your organization? Check out my free printable decluttering guide to give you inspiration on where to start. Just head to tidyrevival.com forward slash guide to get started. Now we're going to talk about a couple of other spaces, things in your home. And these final two organizers are near and dear to my heart because they are both local to the Sacramento region and they're just awesome, awesome sauce. So first up we have Geneva. One of the interesting things about gifts that we receive,
2: and that's a radical concept that we've never been taught growing up, is that we don't have to keep them. We can actually say thank you to the person who thought of us and spent their time and money selecting an item for us, and we can think about it. But there's times, and I think we've all been there, where we just are saying wow, this, what were you thinking? This is not me. I would never use this. I hate this. And because yet somebody we care about has given it to us or that somebody who we have a relationship with, or we have a sense of obligation, they gave it to us so we have to keep it. But you don't. You can just let it go. You can re-gift it. You can donate
0: it and you can just keep it out of your life. That is so, so, so true. And I think it's something that's really easy to forget for folks. I always tell clients that if there are these gifts that you absolutely don't want, I need you to understand and remember that with few exceptions, the people in your life are not giving you a gift for the explicit purchase purpose of you having to keep it for the rest of your life. That is not part of the gift exchange process. We feel like it is for some reason, but usually that's kind of on us. It's not because the person who gave us the gift said that in any sort of implied or not implied way. I just want you to take Geneva's advice and to reconsider this. All right, last up, we have Katrina from Badass Home Life. Hi, my
2: name is Katrina Green. I'm from Sacramento, California, and I am the owner of Badass Home Life. So I like to build and DIY things around the house, and sometimes I end up with tools or materials that I only really need once or only have one purpose. These items eventually end up in my large toolbox, which is why I make it a point to go through it after projects are done so I can keep my box organized. Some examples of things I've gotten rid of, dried out wood putty, hex keys and screwdrivers that come with those ready-to-build furniture, and specialized screws that I know someone else will have a purpose for. When I'm in the midst of doing a project, I'm in the zone, so I don't really pay attention to how organized the toolbox is, but once I'm done, I make sure I only have what I need in there and set it back up to its sorted system.
0: This is so true, especially the part about the extra little tools that come with things like Ikea bookcases, et cetera, et cetera. I end up finding a lot of these Allen wrenches, Allen wrench collections that will likely never be used again. And I know that they include it so that you don't have to go buy an Allen wrench set But if you do have an Allen wrench set, know that the chances of you ever using that little tool again are slim to none. So I love, love, love this advice. I... Wanted to give a big thank you and shout out to all of the organizers who gave tips for this episode and who took the time to, you know, reply to the call and to give us their love and their tips and their suggestions and their insight because these are things that truly come up all the time. So I appreciate you, organizers. Thank you. You guys are amazing and just love all of you. Um, I, again, will have the links to everybody's businesses in our show notes. If you would like to follow them, if you have any questions, feel free to let me know and I'll talk to you real soon. If you're enjoying this episode, we would love if you would rate and review the show. It helps us get in front of more people and we really, really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in today. If you want to learn more about how I can help you, head to tidyrevival.com to learn more about how I work with people one-on-one or in the clutter-free home process, private community. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you'll always have access to the latest show. We would also love to hear your takeaways. Feel free to tag us at Tidy Revival on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. The Tidy Revival podcast is written and hosted by me, Carly Adams, and edited by Brittany McLean. Title song, Never, is by Meet The Flamingo. And until next time, remember that you got this.